Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, techniques, tips, strategies to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. First, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the lands and cultural beliefs. Welcome newcomers to the Facebook group and podcasts. We love hearing the diverse reasons why teachers across the world are joining So much deep and creative literacy work going on in schools. Some recent comments from those who've joined. Um, A teacher really looking for professional literacy learning and resources. Hope we've got that in spades for you. Um, Being alerted to new ideas regarding literacy. Uh, Another teacher, I'm always looking for innovative ways to help students learn to read and love reading. To expand my knowledge about your practices. And from a school leader, I'd like to access professional learning from experts to help guide our literacy curriculum. So if you're not a member of the Teacher's Toolkit Facebook group, we'd love you to join and introduce yourself to the group. But welcome to this podcast episode today called Teachers Sharing Their Professional Practices, part one. Um, And welcome to Kate, Ra and Robert from Mount Barker South Primary School. So we've got a full studio here today. Welcome to, I'm going to go around, um, Robert's right next to me and I'm going to get each of them to tell you a little bit about themselves and their context at Mount Barker South Primary. Robert, would you like to kick off? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, my name's Robert Kennedy. Um, I'm teaching in a uh, combined class uh, with two teachers in an open space classroom, um, sharing the job with a wonderful partner. Um, and we share the, the jobs teaching the children. So I'm my job the last two terms has been um, leading the literacy. Um, so, yeah, I've been teaching term three was fantasy and this term is realistic fiction. So, yeah. Fantastic. And and new to Mount Barker South in Term 3. Yeah, so, that's yes. right. Came in halfway through the year. Yes. So, and I'm loving it. So there's wonderful supportive staff there and yeah, it's a great place to work. Yeah. And Year 4, 5. Year 4, yes, 5, Year 4, yes. 5. Okay, on to Ra. Yep. Um, so my name is um, Ra Tefare and I teach at Mount Barker South in the Year 5, 6 unit. Um, I team teach with Kate, who's right next to me. Um, We've team taught for a couple of years now. Um, We uh, both have facilitator roles, so I'm the numeracy facilitator at our site, and Kate will explain what she is. Um, And we've been on this journey um, of changing our literacy curriculum, um, very much aligning with reading and writing workshops and, um, yeah, getting our students to change the way they think about their reading and writing and themselves as readers and writers, which has been really exciting as well. Fantastic. And over to you, Kate. Um, so I'm Kate uh, Tucker. I've been at Mount Barker South for nine years now. Um, 
as Ross said, we are um, we team teach together, so we've got our own classrooms, but we um, come together for a lot of our literacy stuff, especially our mini lessons, um, and then divide out into our classes. But it's been really great working with somebody else um, that's also passionate for the change in literacy, um, which has been great. Um, and then this year I was lucky to be given the role of the literacy facilitator for the site. So I've been working across um, with all the staff and students from R to 6. So I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, fantastic. And it has been an absolute privilege for me to be part of the Mount Barker South um, team on a fortnightly basis getting to work with you all there. So um, really important for us to have you here as part of sharing professional practice because that's something that has become a really strong focus um, for the work that you are doing this year and the sharing of it. So the collaboration that you're doing in teams, um, you know, to really drive your, your own learning as well as your students' learning. Part of the work at Mount Barker South was developing some integrated units of work. So you've already mentioned, Robert, about that integration of the reading and the writing work and in particular using mental text and literature um, as a real driver for the teaching and learning. So the reasons for the topic today, we talk about well, what's the teaching struggle. Well, as teachers, we're looking for those really meaningful ways to engage students in their learning. Um, because students can easily disengage when learning experiences are one-off or they're not connected and they don't see the reasons for those things um, to be connected. And we're looking for ways to more easily cover a number of skills, strategies in the curriculum through that integrated approach to teaching, reading and writing. So I'm going to stop the talking here for a moment because as soon as I open up this question to the three... I don't know who's going to. I don't know who's going to be the first one out of the. What do you call it when horses race out of the bolt? Out, out, out of the gate. Out of the gate. Right. Out of the gate. <laughs> um, so first up, really, this idea of developing units of work and working as reading, writing connected um, piece was a new way to begin working this year in that integrated way. So I want you to talk a bit about what you've learned about developing those units and what's working with that. What are the noticings you've had about doing that? So Ra's nodding yeah, a lot. Well, You're I, ready to go. I am Brilliant. ready to go. I yeah. know at the beginning of the year when Kate and I were planning out our whole year um, overview um, and we were looking at our, our first initial units, we are building that community of readers and writers uh, I, we sort of were trying a few things and trying to work out how to get our reading and writing to connect. I think we struggled with that initially, like we were having them quite separate workshops. So we worked really hard in term two to work out how we could um, yeah, integrate them more so that they did follow along, whichever was coming first, the reading workshop or the writing workshop. And then that took a lot of discussions between us and reflecting on what is working, what is not working, what feels like a natural flow, what can we change. Um, and I do think that over term two and three, particularly, Kate, we we sort of worked it really hard on that ourselves and then we got um, – that came out with the students as well. They could see a, a much stronger connection between what we were reading and what we were asking them to um, have a go at in writing. I think just to add on that is – 
We also um, were really strategic in the mentor text that we use to support us. So we learned a lot in that term one that that mentor text is so vital to make sure that we've got the connection between the reading and writing, but also taking it from what we're noticing with the students that if they aren't, um, you know, we're trying to get them to, to write in a certain way or, you know, understand the comprehension strategy, we need that mentor text to help guide that as well. So I think we really shifted our thinking um, in that aspect as well. Yeah. Are there particular, like I know how hard you did work around that and in that first term, like do, can you kind of remember what, why you felt it wasn't integrated in the first term? Like where, where, was, the, where was the scratchy point? Yeah, I think part of it wasn't a great start to the year either yeah. because the first two weeks, you know, we were still affected by COVID. Yes. Kate was on site. Yeah. I was unfortunately, in lockdown at home, mm. and as were a number of our students. So we didn't get that initial first blast yep. um, all together. And, I, you know, um, not trying to make an excuse of that, but it did sort of – we did have to sort of start building our culture of our classrooms. Um, and our topic was um, persuasive speeches as mm. well. So we kind of felt that that maybe wasn't – the ideal one to start them off seeing as we were learning as well, we did find that trying to mould those two together, we probably needed some experience ourselves to be yeah. able to do that, whereas a lot of the other topics like narrative have lent itself really yeah. easily. Yeah. So yeah. we did struggle a little bit yeah, with we that. Did. But such good reflection, isn't it, you know, mm. to think like why, you know, it wasn't, okay, hands in the air, it's not working, um, you know, this isn't going to work. But it was all about on reflection. Mm. What and I love that, and this is a big thing that we talk about. Um, you know, at Mount Barker South all the time. Listen to me, we. <laughs> but you know, it's that noticing, isn't it? Like, yep. what, what are we, what are we noticing our students um, connecting with, or struggling with, or not making the connections with um, that really started driving? I remember those early conversations about how do we make this work, but it was. But it was because of your noticings and because of the reflection that really drove you to, okay, let's adjust this, let's try this. And really by term two, you were kicking off, you know, mm. really strongly with, you know, with all of that reflection that you'd um, taken on. And Robert, you stepped in, of course, in term three with um, really planning already underway and so how do you feel that you slotted in well i suppose as speaking from experience um it's always been a struggle f to find those decent mentor texts which are really engaging for the students and just i suppose listening to your podcasts um made me reflect on my own teaching and i thought this is how it should be done where you have a really good mentor text that you use for everything which then leads into your writing and you continuously go back to that mentor text to talk about the specific features that you're wanting the children to pick up on their, in their writing and it may be looking at the dialogue so you, you share with them the dialogue and, and the mentor text that you, you're reading to them on a daily basis. You're showing them where the paragraph breaks are. So, And also if you have that, that mentor text which is really tantalising, like it's, you know, it draws the children in, then that's going to obviously help with their writing process as well. Yeah. For me, it just made sense and I couldn't understand why I couldn't have thought of this before. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> obviously, when you're teaching uh, without that mentor text, you're jumping all over the show with these different types of stories that you know you might show them a page of this story and show them a page of that story, and then just, there's no connection. So, just made sense to use the one text, which is really engaging yes. for me. <laughs> and and to actually, there's two thoughts that I want to hold on to here. One is, of course, that the mental text, because it's so strong, absolutely allows your students then to be noticing the same things in their own texts. And so that's another thing I know in your class, Robert, that you've worked really hard at is getting students doing that noticing as they're reading. Yeah. Having that focus for each lesson and, and right. revisiting those focuses as well yeah. so they build those strategies and you know, so they can carry it into their writing themselves and noticing these things in their own reading. Um, one particular student of mine said to me, uh, Mr Kennedy, I hate that you've changed me into a, a person who looks at my reading as a writer now because I just want to enjoy the text without looking at all these specific language features and stuff. And I said, Mila, I'm so happy that's changed. That's happened for you because, you know, obviously it's working for your writing. Her writing is so strong now. It's just amazing to read her own writing. Mm, and must enhance her reading too. Yeah, that's right. She's still reading a lot of jag dragon stories, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I am just going to loop back to one thing that you said earlier too is that um, you came to Mount Barker South via the podcast really <laughs> um, because Robert mentioned um, that, um, you know, that he'd heard um, things in the podcast. So I did just want to make the connection about how your own professional learning in another country – so you were in New yeah, Zealand in New listening Zealand. to the podcast. Yeah, I'd made, um, I'd made a note of them somehow. I just wrote, I, I saved one of your podcasts, but I hadn't actually listened to it. It's probably a year later that I started listening to them because I, um, you know, I travelled to New Zealand, Australia at the start of the year, but obviously um, there's so much paperwork to get through um, before you, you can become a teacher in this country. So I had a lot of time on my hands, so I was listening to your podcast on a daily basis. <laughs> Because um, I want some professional development. I want to keep myself in tune with what's happening over here in Australia. And then I found out you actually live in Australia, <laughs> uh, in Adelaide, sorry. You actually live here in Adelaide. And I went, oh, wow, maybe I'll be able to find some schools that has your literacy program running through them. And there was a number um, I was in hand, hand off and I noticed some of the things there that you're doing with hand off. I'm not too sure if you've got a link there, but they're definitely using some of your stuff there. And then I was lucky enough to be working at Mount Barker, filling in for R, um, the TRT, and I just noticed some of the things that was happening in the classroom. I thought, oh, I just made a connection there <laughs> to your podcast. And as Ra said I, um, early on, I asked her the question, is Sharon involved with you here? And, yeah, I was quite delighted to find <laughs> out that you were. <laughs> So, yeah, I love the literacy program that's running at Mount Barker School. And, you know, there's, there's all these plus things that keep you on a school. And obviously the, the staff who support you and the programs that they run. And I feel that the programs that, we, that Mount Barker has are fantastic. The literacy and the numeracy are really strong. And to be able to step into a school um, and really be um, drawn into a very collaborative approach to the planning to be able to be part of a team and I think that's the you know the strong 
thing that Ra and Kate mentioned in their introductions is this collaborative planning. And actually, I feel you plan together as a team. No. Do you plan? Well, there is you, a link, you know. Do you plan? Uh, Kate and I plan together. Yeah. Um, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, the one team there. Yeah. But you've, and you've got four teams, I think. Yes. You've got like a R1, a 2, 3, a 4, 5, four, five and then five, a 5, six. 6. Yeah. 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 I do think um, I'm going to do a little plug here for Kate and you, Sharon, that the work you two have done to facilitate everybody across our site, being able to jump on board and feel really supported to change their practice and look at their practice carefully of the reading and writing workshops and develop it and, you know, have those stronger outcomes for students. You know, the scaffold you two have given us has really helped everybody and and I think there is a total buy-in across our site and without that it wouldn't work as strongly as it is. Um, It needs the staff to go, yes, we all we all agree with this, we all believe in this too and we all commit to it. So I think that's been a strength yeah. for us this year. And and I want to back that up too in that commitment to having um, in the school a literacy and a numeracy facilitator who can bring those things, actually help bring those things to life <laughs> um, and to have that ongoing... Um, it's hard without somebody... Being there, driving, yeah. and then I the think learning the way around Cassie that. Set up our, our Cassie, teams the principal. Also, oh yes, um, is really um, beneficial for the team. So how it works is that we've got obviously myself and Ra as the literacy numeracy facilitator, and then below that, um, we'll so, I guess side by side in a way that we've got the action team. So each um, teaching group of our one, two, three, four, five, all um, each teach teacher is designated to either literacy or numeracy. And then they're the one that's responsible for them feeding it back to their own year level team. So then it's making them accountable as the leader of that group to make sure that you know messages getting passed on that we're trying to all you know, have that buy in that Ra was talking about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These systems that are in place really um, enable people to be along with it mm-hmm. and to not just feel that it's being something dropped on (laughs) everyone but to actively engage um, with it and really be um, leading their own learning in a sense. I think Cassie set that up really well that um, our principal in the way that she has allowed us to be the leaders of it as well. She's not the one driving it, she's there side by side with us but she's put full trust um, into us as as educators and leaders of our teams that we, we want to make that change and we're happy to implement it. And yeah. I think she's been really supportive in that way and allowed, you know, teachers to be spending, you know, taking out for the day and spending time with Sharon or whether it's um, Sharon coming in and side by side or whatever practice it is, um, I think she's been really supportive of that, which has definitely helped. Yeah, yeah. Non-threatening as well when you're coming in, Sharon. It's, it's not a threatening situation. We're, the teachers know they're there to help us and, you know, Point out little things, which yep. really doesn't make a difference to our practice. It's been very helpful. Yeah, I think also the allowing um, Kate's and um, has designed a model where we all got to have a go in the first part of the year, and then we were supported with that, and then we got a little bit of extra mentoring from you, Sharon, when you came in, and then we got to meet with you and discuss that. I think just that whole model has supported everybody along the way. That you, you know, that got, ties into that non-threatening thing, Robert. That you know, we we all buy in, we believe in it, because um, how could we not? Mm. 
you know. The passion that you bring has definitely come across to us. Um, But then it makes it easier, you know, because we want to have that change for our students. Yeah. And I think that's the the part that I'd love to talk a bit more about too is this that's really fed into this whole notion of noticing this year has been a really big thing, this constant... Um, in response to what you're doing, the noticing, and that's become a big, um, you know, and that's really, um, that's also a non-threatening <laughs> way of being as a teacher too, isn't it? You know, when you're doing something new, to notice, okay, how's that worked? What, how do our students respond? Could you just talk to me maybe a little bit about, you know, I love that we've had from Robert, we need some little stories, you know, the noticing of, you know, the one child going, oh, you've turned me into a reader who reads like a writer. Um, But what are some of the noticings that you feel um, you've been able to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that you've maybe been able to be aware of this year that you might not have um, taken into account before. Would you say there are new noticings or? Oh, I can say first and then. Um, mine would probably be around, um, so it's a bit of backstory first, is that we obviously um, meet as teams weekly, so we have to have scheduled time in for that. And I think prior to that, we got really caught up in trying to plan a five-week unit, trying to plan the term. Whereas now that we have these weekly meetings, we are planning weekly and everything that we talk about at our meeting is what we've noticed from the prior week. So if we have been doing paragraph structures and, you know, we've gone in and we assume, oh, they know how to do this, they know the strategies, they know what to put in there, but then once we actually teach, we can then reflect on that week. So Ra and I meet on a Tuesday and we talk about actually... We, I can see 10 kids that, that don't get that, right? So that's our noticing that we need to do. So I think not necessarily one little thing, but I think as teachers we have really um, been able to notice the, the students as a whole by having that weekly weekly catch-up and adjustment to our planning. I think it's been really beneficial. Mm. I'll just connect that idea of um, that there has been big investment made. You've all made, the school's made, a time investment and you've made those time investments too in that planning. And that's bigger this year than yep. previous years yeah. or that you've that yeah. you've experienced. It's more that deliberate planning, I yeah. think. We've yeah. always done the planning but making it more deliberate and purposeful, I think, is the big shift this year. And and, and shared. Yeah. The fact that because we team teach, yeah. um, that does support us saying to each other, you know, um, if you've missed something, well, somebody might be leading the, the lesson that day, the other person will notice other things that are going on. Yes. And that, yeah. that's really helped us, I think. Actually, that's, a, that's an important piece that happens in both of, you, yeah. both of your settings is um, really what you're being in your planning is responsive. The noticings are enabling you to be more responsive to what does this group of students need or um, how much more of this do we need or do we cut back on this part. But even in um, 
that responsiveness is, I'd say, in the roving conferences that you're doing or the roving of the room, they are the things where lots of noticing is going on that leads into, um, you know, and feeds into that planning as well. But I think even some on-the-spot things. Um, yeah, means I know, remember, um, Kate, when you were doing some word work and it came up about the colons and when to use a colon and all the kids looked at us and said, I guess we'll be doing that in the writing workshop later in the week. It was like, <laughs> yes, you will. Um, which was really nice, wasn't nice. it? That, that direct came out of what they were doing and experimenting with and a question a student had and then we went, yep, okay, we need to address this. This needs to be one of our many lessons. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same thing yeah. happened in our room with um, dialogues, writing mm. dialogue and the layout of that and it was you know, writing the dialogue all over the place and so we sat down as a class and focused on mental text and then it carried through into our writing, mini writing session um, to help them with that structure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And and what it's doing, I'll make a link to the Australian curriculum here, <laughs> is, um, well, in the new Australian, in the version nine of the Australian curriculum, it's even more um, intentional that it's talking about teaching our students to use mentor texts to support them as writers. And so this intentionality that you're talking about right here is that very thing that the way we read absolutely informs not only our writing but all our understanding. How does a colon work? So that influences how we read text and understand it. So, you know, that... I mean, these are older children, but that they are clearly making those connections across those things and seeing um, the connectedness of like, reading and writing are in service to each other. It isn't, right, we do this here, okay, something completely different yep. over there. So, okay. Um, all right, and so just one um, little share too about – so the units of work um, – you really run a unit of work two across a term. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, roughly five weeks. Yeah. yeah. How how do you find that for pacing? I think um, last term worked really well. We had um, two. We were doing uh, an author study. Mm-hmm. We did Chris Van Allsburg mm-hmm. and review writing. <coughs> so. Um, I think, you know, Chris Van Allsburg went for five weeks and that was the right amount of time yeah. because a whole term on one author would have been too much. Yeah. So five weeks means it's intense. We get um, we got through five mental texts as well from, from him and that was enough, you know, to introduce yeah. to the students. And if they want to read any more of his texts, they can. Mm. You know, that's fine. Because then, then we also connected the review with Chris, Chris Van Allsburg because we did our review, we allowed them to choose between a movie or a book review and we did Jumanji. Uh-huh. So then there yes. so we're still, you know, the author was still carrying on, but we moved on to the style of review writing yep. rather than looking deeper into the author. Yeah. So those two fit really nicely last time, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> we did yeah. that well, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All are very intentional. <laughs> but no, but let's get back to the planning. That's exactly what you do, you know, in thinking, all right, 
we want to do the review writing. So does that mean we start something entirely new again or do we build on? And I think that's what we what? thought was we're not going to get enough time to teach them the reading writing strategies of review writing if we're then going to read a whole new book, go and watch a whole new movie. Yeah. We'd show something that they were the whole class had access to and were connected yeah. to. Yes, yeah. And they're important planning decisions. That's what makes the – otherwise we hear ourselves saying, how do we fit all this in? Mm. How do we – and how do we expose students to as much – you know, to as many types of writing as we can? Because the Australian curriculum is pretty rich in the range of writing that we want students to be experiencing both as readers and as writers. I think the Chris Van Allsburg as well was being very intentional about which mental text we used each week so that we left um, Jumanji right to the end so that, you know, we had the buy-in as well and we watched the movie as a bit of a celebration of, you know, the end of that unit, moving us straight into the next unit of um, review writing. So it's, it's really picking your way through, okay, I want to use this text for these purposes and this text for this purpose and... Yeah, I think that knowing your mental text is really crucial. Yeah. I'm going to segue into the mental text piece (laughs) right now because that was a big piece for this year. Because coming into this year, it's a whole new way of working and planning as a school. And mental texts, well, Kate, the mentor texts weren't ready, were they? No, they and were not. No. Um, and so, oh, that sounded a bit targeted. It wasn't. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, so this, this is a good thing to talk about here because we've already talked a little bit about how, how to make or how to introduce a new something into a school takes a lot of coordination and systems in place. And Kate has become the queen of (laughs) mentor text ordering this year because you have really, um, term by term, um, you know, looked at and taken as part of your role, you have really upskilled yourself in um, looking for mentor texts, what to look for, um, where to find those, how to get good recommendations. And I'm saying too much. Over to you, Kate. <laughs> Talk a little yeah, bit about, so because it's um, it's been a big process. And I know yeah. the other day you said, I feel like I've spent all year just doing mentor texts. But hasn't it been amazing like Ra, you would absolutely concur mm. that mm. the ordering of and selecting so that texts are there ready um, yeah. for people, and then we'll—I'll get you to talk a little bit about this year's process, and then we'll talk next about years. next year's. Yeah. So I think when I took over the role, um, big thing that I spoke to Sharon was the the fact that we need those mentor texts to help guide the teachers, and I think for me, I was—you know—as a facilitator, I was trying to get them to buy into the new process of reading, writing, workshop. And I just thought by then adding the element of now go and source your mentor text, I just felt like that was something that I could remove that they didn't need to think about and that I could support them in in a way from a distance. Um, So I went out, uh, we spoke about what 
we uh, got our learning map, we worked out what genres we're going to do, and then I went out and sourced the mentor text for the teams. Um, so there was a range of ways that I did that. Obviously, I used the curriculum document. There was already a couple of suggestion um, text there to use, but I then um, contacted a few different book companies to get some ideas. Um, Booktopia were were fantastic. Um, they were really supportive um, of me when I gave them like a genre, they'd give a, a few ideas, especially um, like with persuasive and things. But um, I then from there I just basically spent time uh, like literally Googling good persuasive text for five to six-year-olds and it would just come up with a massive list. So then I just spent time reading reviews, analysing what the book is. But for me I just have learned so much about text like um, and I think one thing I said to Sharon like she just said before was I reflected back and I thought, like I have learned so much and I feel like my whole year I just feel like that's all I've done for people and I feel like I've probably let down in other areas but then I said to Sharon like but I think next year I need to give them the opportunity to help with these mental texts because what I've learned with these texts they need the opportunity to do that next year so we are sitting down with our uh, action team next week and each team's going to help select the books for next year so the aim is that we go on a, a two-year cycle at our school so that the text we've got for this year um, will come back out in two years' time. So they get put away in the library and then we like to keep them as like new as new and exciting texts for the students and not so much something that they read on a day-to-day basis. So um, trying to find variety I think was also the other thing I looked at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A variety and availability yeah. because, of course, Googling, um, you know, text, best, say, persuasive yeah. text, sometimes we can find a lot of texts published elsewhere and not always um, lists that are local. Um, So you've done an amazing job of sourcing a lot of things that have been um, local as well as, um, you know, we're not discounting international, but in our curriculum too, the range of texts that students are. And particularly at the start of the year with the COVID and stuff, the freight times and yeah. stuff like trying to get around that. So the really that really became important that I needed to get books that were in stock too. So trying to find those was a little bit tricky. But it's definitely got easier the more the years gone on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You've also you've also provided um, options in the mentor text. So with each unit it's not just one mentor text for teachers to look at. There's yeah. there's options. So if you're not familiar with one, there might be one in there that you're already familiar with. But you know, we should be becoming familiar with whatever's on offer as well. Yeah, and that's that's a big point, I think, um, Kate, that your learnings and your what you found was absolutely um, so supportive for teachers of, like you say, rather some options were given and then that gave you choice and gave you opportunity to um, not just be given a text and say, okay, this is the one you're using, but okay, here's what we've got. Now you as teacher can make some choices about what you're going to use or maybe you're going to use more than one of those. So um, now how have you stored those, Dave? So they after the unit has finished, so we, we got a, a mentor text pack that will go to the team. So, for example, Robert and his peer teacher would have a, a pack of text that they would keep for the five-week unit. But then they're going to be stored in our library in our teacher resource area. So they'll be all stored in an individual tub. And then when that unit comes around in, you know, another two years' time, they can literally pull out the tub and they're those mentor texts. And our aim is that we 
we're not looking at deleting the text because obviously different teachers will find different things like Ra was saying, but and then hopefully we can just add a couple each year and then we're, we're just building up that bank and sustaining it um, and it's there to support the teachers straight away. Yeah. yeah. And we'll also acknowledge there's been um, the principal, Cassie, has also... Yes. Allowed so- my budget to flow this year, which has been great. Yes. <laughs> I just keep going back. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Find a bit more. Find yeah. a bit more. I know. I love it. Every time I come, you know, it's like, oh, guess what I've just bought? <laughs> guess what I've found? <laughs> so, yes. but And to, to um, have teams um, as part of that process yeah. next year, yeah. um, our knowledge, building teachers' knowledge yeah. of um, – of tantalising texts, of, right. of yeah, good yeah. texts that are out there. And I there think, like really... I said, I, th- I think they're ready for that now. Yeah. Whereas I've, I felt, and it wasn't because they weren't capable, I just no. felt like their need was in shifting their mindset to do the reading and writing and this yeah. is my way that yeah. I can support them. Whereas this year we've, you know, had their 12 months to have a go at it and now their next step is, right, what mental text support that? Yes. So that's yeah. building up the learning. And then also on that, obviously Cassie's been great in um, supporting getting teacher mentor texts as well, so our teacher reference texts yes. um, and having them available to teams and individuals um, has also then lent itself to support those mentor texts as well, which has yeah. been great. Yeah, yeah. Now, Robert, your fantasy unit, you brought the mentor text yeah, I, to I that unit, it. didn't you? Yeah, I always, when I'm teaching about what I'm going to teach, I always try and select something which will work for me as a teacher as well. And mm-hmm. if I know the text familiar and the, I know that the text will be tantalising and it will actually help the children when I, I bring it in myself. So I, <clears throat> I went through a number of books for the realistic fiction. I went through Michael and Paul. I thought, oh, I could do this. But then I found out that Ra teaches that book. Uh, well, I haven't yet. Kanzuki's Island. <laughs> I was going to get the children to write about being lost on an island, which would be you know, inspirational reading that book. Mm. So, um, And then I thought of... Some other books, um, the polar bear one, so they could write about the theme of global warming. But then um, I thought of Hatchet, which I read some of my kids quite a few years ago, and I thought, well, this would be a great mentor text because the children could then write their own stories about being trapped in the wilderness. Um, and then we came up, we brainstormed around that sort of idea of how would we be lost in the wilderness? That what would the cause would have to be would have to be an accident of some sort. So, we went through all the planning process based on the, the mentor text that I had in mind. Um, and so, as we've been going through Hatchet, all these sorts of ideas which are leading into our writing are starting to crop up. There were problems that would happen to you if you're stuck in the wilderness alone with nothing but a but a hatchet. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, having that mentor text, which is yeah. you know great resource uh, which you can pull lessons from is, is really vital. Yes. Um, and you're really talking strongly there about that, um, you know, getting ideas and organise, you know, that it's that you're talking about pre-planning. That's right. You've got to make you know, it easy for yourself. You know, you can yourself. really, um, you know, as we listen to this text, it's, you know, we're wondering, okay, how did – how how do we get the idea? You know, what is the idea that we can come up with? So I think um, sometimes, you know, we can think about mental texts about, you know, the crafts or the conventions or the um, – I'm just thinking about six-plus traits, you know, mm. of, you know, conventions or grammar, you know, or sentence fluency. 
But this whole idea of using the mental text to also generate and drive thinking about planning and crafting ideas, um, you know, with that pre-planning that we do with those texts really lets us um, open the doors for um, our listeners to do that thinking as writer. Um, Yeah, yeah, I read to my daughter on a regular basis at night and I'm reading to her novels now. She's progressed into listening to novels and I'm I'm reading the stories as a writer and and one of the books that I came across was um, The One and Only Ivan by Christine Applegate, I think was her name. Um, So I researched her and then I found out that she did have a fantasy um, story in mind as well. So that's where the endling came from. And she's just a wonderful writer. Um, she uses all the things that you would want to teach in a lesson, personification and just fabulous vocabulary. Mm-hmm. This, it's, the story probably sits a little bit above the children as well as far as their understanding for vocabulary, but it's that stretch for them that you know, really helps with their vocabulary as well, which I think is a vital thing to do. Yes, yeah. And it feeds back to that lovely Frank Smith quote about we can only write as well as the literature we're surrounded by. So if it's above, they rise to it. They absolutely, absolutely do. Well, I just think the program is just really a really good program for beginning teachers because it gives them a, a, a strong structure um, and it takes away that worry of groupings that I think previously a lot of teachers have been focused on. You don't have to have groupings with this particular literacy program. The children choose their own books, which suits them at their own level. You know, they can stretch themselves and you try and influence them into stretching themselves. Um, and it takes away that, oh, I'm in this group sort of attitude. Um, I'm not the strongest reader in the classroom because I'm, I'm, I'm grouped with all these other readers um, that are not that strong. So that sort of, I think the program takes away that from the classroom. And from what I've seen, you know, the school, the Mount Barker South is so strong and they're reading, all the kids are very strong readers. It's just amazing. You just look at them and they're just so engaged in their reading. It's just unbelievable. This is how a literacy program should be. Should be. We, we've had to work on that, though, Robert. <laughs> I have to say it wasn't always like that. Yeah. And us moving to um, reading writing workshops and uh, um, making sure there is the time in the day for the students to actually read has been a big change for us, wouldn't you agree, Kate? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So right there, isn't that just an interesting noticing <laughs> from Robert? New in halfway yep. through the year. Um, to because that that was a piece um, prior to this year that you were um, were aware of that you didn't um, necessarily have your students engaging in reading in a strong or positive way necessarily. No. So the first up in the uh, yeah. senior part of the school and then. Obviously, me moving to the middle primary part of the school, um, it was there, but it wasn't as strong as it should have been. So, you, know, mm. you coming in and saying, "Why don't you try this with the kids?" and then getting them to you know, focus on their reading for that good fifteen twenty minutes is 
it's, it's built up over time. Yeah. You know, ten weeks of the term, they were really right engaged into the novel towards, you know, the, the later part of the term. And I think really the out. two things that have, like, if I just speak from SLC, our senior part where Ra and I are, is the two things that we really worked on was building up their stamina. So we noticed that, you know, we had to start at five minutes. We couldn't just go in and say, right, read for 20 minutes. So we spent a long time on building up their stamina. And the other thing that we've spent a lot of time on is just write books. So we have to make sure that they've got just right books because that's why they were so disengaged. They were choosing books that they weren't interested in or too hard or too easy or, you know, not extending their vocab. So their library. Yep, there, yeah. And, yeah, bringing in the classroom lovelies has obviously really helped with that, that just right text uh, choice as well for them. Yeah, yeah, and they know they can go back to it, that they're getting, going to read that book again tomorrow. You know, we allow our students 20 minutes of independent reading so four times a week, that's 80 minutes by the end of the week um, that they weren't previously doing, and yeah. it's definitely helped. Yeah, yeah. So the time, the intentional time that has been given four times a week has made a difference not just to stamina but to... Vocabulary, connections to their reading and writing workshops, conversations. Enjoyment. Yeah. Knowledge of books and authors, yep. even yeah. you know they didn't have to use really, a library. Yep. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's really increased all around. They see themselves as readers now. Yeah. Yeah. And I can definitely just coming into rooms, just it's different things I'm hearing them talking about and engaging in in new ways. So all of those things are just so visible. <laughs> you know, when you go into into your rooms. Um, just a quick mention of your classroom libraries because they also are something that needed to grow this year. Or establish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair call. <laughs> Fair call. <laughs> um, how d how's the school gone about that? Big budget. Yeah, so it, if we did leave it a lot. That one was probably more up to the individual teacher. Um, because obviously they had to factor in their age group that they were teaching and the text that they would need. Lots of teachers have um, used their own time and resources to stock up their libraries, I will be honest, but um, we also um, were lucky to be able to have some budgets to, to resource that. Uh, we have used a lot of secondhand bookstores just to get books in on the shelves and, you know, you can pick them up for a, a dollar, two dollars and really if a kid takes it home and forgets to bring it back, is it the end of the world yep. that you haven't got that book back? Like it costs us a dollar and it's another book that they've got at home. So we were we went in that with that mindset as well that we knew that was happening. The other big thing that we did um, and as the facilitator um, when working with Sharon, we spoke to the teachers about getting the students to help set up the libraries. So they knew how they were catalogued, if they wanted it by colour of the cover or if they wanted it by genre or they by author, it was all directed by them. So then it became a bit more purposeful for them as well. Yeah, and more ownership mm. and they, more familiarity with what was in their yeah. library. Yeah, that's right. And they do get excited when we put new books in. They notice that now. Um, but I think, you know, there was a real um, – everybody wanted a classroom library. You showed us some amazing models of that too, Sharon, right at the beginning of the year. Um, that this is what it could be and everybody got quite excited about that, I think, as a potential area in their classrooms that we didn't have before. Mm. Mm. I really like the point that you've made about it being a growing thing over the year. It isn't about just having this whole 
library set up. In fact, if it, it goes grows, back to that noticing, yeah, they're not into those. You can't set everything up because otherwise you're not noticing what they're reading, and that's that's you've got to build your, your library around. That's it. And for every time I've heard, um, you know, children, or you've said, oh, you know, students are into this or into that, and then that's what you are chasing up, mm-hmm. and what you'll find. Warrior cats, you know, it's like you mentioned I've that. I'm going, oh, my goodness, I have got a bundle of those sitting at home that have, you know, gone through our children. And, you know, it's wonderful to see those warrior cats yeah. on the shelf in your room just being, being used. And everybody, everybody's talking about them. on the shelf very long, those ones. No, no. <laughs> I think that's the other thing that you said about the secondhand books too because we've actively promoted with our kids, oh, look what I got from Kiwanis or wherever. Yes. Our kids are going to those secondhand yeah. bookstores yes. now because they know they can get a book for a dollar. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they're seeing that as an option. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, yeah. Being proactive in um, wanting to, to have book ownership, yeah. Yeah, I I don't think there's been a better time in history actually to look for secondhand books. It just seems like there is a flood of books making their way out of homes <laughs> into um, you know into bookshops, and a lot of the secondhand bookshops are organising them in such incredible ways as if it is a bookshop. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, and they're not yeah. just shoved in the back corner like you probably saw five years ago. They're yeah. a main feature in a lot of these stores yes. as well now. So. Yeah, yeah. So so that has been another big part of this year is people building. Um, but I think that's a really wonderful point to draw out is that teachers have actually taken that on themselves. And I know, I think you've had a little bit of um, classroom budget um, for books and that's an important thing, isn't it, that they're consumables. It doesn't have to go through the library system and take however many weeks to go through. They go straight into classrooms if those books don't come back for whatever reason, we are thinking happy that they are there at home <laughs> with somebody um, and that it can grow over time. And I know um, I know there's classroom libraries where, you know, teachers' own money is being spent on those. But I think it's also, as teachers, we kind of like the thought too of knowing if we're not with this or if we're not in this school even, I've got books that I can actually take with me, you know, to um, start growing a classroom library too. Um, what about, you've talked, Kate, about the importance of the of mentor texts for teachers, the professional um, texts. Are there any particularly um, good tools or resources that you think um, we haven't mentioned that would be good to talk about? Um Classroom libraries, of course, are a big tool. Um, oh, what about um, what about anchor charts? It's probably been a bit of a work in progress still with our site. Yeah. Um, we are trying to move away from PowerPoints, whiteboards. We're trying to anchor everything down into our own teacher writing and reading journals. Um, for for what reason? At the moment, I'd probably say most of it is um, there to reference back to. Um, that's probably the main focus for the teachers at the moment um, in the fact that if we have been working on 
a specific thing in writing, we can then turn back a page. Oh, I remember when we did this, and then it, then it automatically links back in. So, um, and I guess it's that modelling as well to students that we are we have our own journals that we keep our work in, just like you you do as students. So, um, yeah, probably a little bit along that. Yeah, well, we've we've definitely used our writing and reading modelling books with students, and as Kate said, reference back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, we're writing. Um, information reports and we've gone back to remember we talked about this sort of paragraphing and remember we talked about these ideas and getting the students to actually use our teacher modeling books that mm. yes they're for us but kids can go back and yeah. refer to any pages and um you know if they want that they our students have one to an ipad so they can take a photo of that page so that they've got that reference for themselves um i don't i don't think we necessarily take the pages out of our modelling books and put them up in our rooms anywhere because we're too precious about I our do. own modelling books. Um, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's something for us and to I think it's the sharing on. as well. Like I know Ra says it so many times mm-hmm. that this idea in the book isn't isn't my idea. I didn't come up with it. This is for us all, all to build our ideas from. So it becomes a sharing tool for everyone as well. Yeah. And I think the important thing about any tool is that it works. Yeah. You know, if it's not... You know, if, um, like Robert, you just said, you take sheets out of your book and yeah. put up. Yeah, yeah, I get the kids to help me create the sheet, the ankle chart. Mm. Was, you know, they're paying a part in it as well. And then it goes up on the literacy wall so they can see it on a daily basis if they need to refer back to it. Yeah. Um, it's there. Yes, yeah. I think a change you helped us make, though, Sharon, was when we get kids' contributions now, we actually write their names under who said something so that, there's more, even more value for the students. Oh, that's right. Remember, you know, so and so said that, and you know, that was a really good. But I want to use that, and who, you know, it's a bit of reference for them. We weren't really acknowledging that as much, I don't think, really, but we definitely are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, nice way to for them to feel. Well, all ideas mm. are are valued. Then I suppose it almost goes back to what you said, Robert, too, about when we grouped students and students construct themselves as well. I'm either good or I'm not good or I'm in the middle, does that make me good or only half good or whatever yeah, you've got it is? Everyone contributing. You know, you've got yes. those children who may not be, their strengths may not be in reading and writing, but their oral language is strong and they're sharing during those oral yeah. language moments or they're sharing their part of what they um, interpreted from the story. You know, it's yeah. really valuable and it's, it's great for the class's motivation as well. They can say, well, so is doing something. Oh, I've got this to share, and they get more involved in the lesson. Because, yes, yeah. You know, everyone's buying into it. Yeah, and being active in their thinking at that time. I remember being in your room oh, a few weeks ago, and a child. I can't remember what it was that they said, but I remember you just going. You know, just acknowledging what a wonderful thought that was that the child had come up with and, you know, you said to me later, well, that just blew me. <laughs> you know, that's not what I was expecting um, from that child. And so to catch those moments and for a child to feel comfortable in saying, I'm sharing this with everybody yeah, right. um, is a real, um, uh, that, that's the real community of learners then, isn't it? It raises yeah. the self-esteem of the child too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, let's finish up with what are your absolute favourite aspects of this year? 
So you're a nice year up. in, you're a year into a new way of being. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it was a big jolt <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. It was a lot of, but oh my goodness, everybody has just risen, you know, to that. So yes, Ra, I'd love you to start. Well, I've What's got that? a couple and yeah. one of them is the fact that all the kids are reading now. Mm. Like we've we've created a classroom where we have readers and we discuss books and we can recommend books to others based on what we're reading or what they're reading. And my other one is using the um, – when we model our writing, that saying to the students, this is I'm thinking as I want you thinking. I haven't pre-written this. This is not something that I've, you know, sat last night and written this up and I'm going to show you my perfect example – I'm going to model what I want you thinking as I'm doing it. And I'm, I, you know, Kate and I will both stop and go, oh, I'm not sure what to write next. And, you know, modeling that thinking yeah. and then getting them to jump in, I think's really allowed some of them to go, right, it's okay if I struggle too. Um, but I've got a point. The teacher's given me a starting point. So I've got somewhere to start from. Because we did have a lot of um, writers, particularly, who sit there and go, I don't know what to write. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. no longer an option. Because the teacher's already modelled something to me, and I can start with that if I have, if I need to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been a big, big shift for me. Mm, mm. And I love that. I love how you call your books your teacher modelling book, and that's what you've really—that's what you're talking about right there. That mm. modelling and modelling the thinking. Nothing more powerful than that, is it? That all of those, you know, that even when you are in the process of a struggle in your own thinking, how you push through that. And that's wonderful to model to students, you know, how you overcome, <laughs> how you push through, how you keep going, and that they've got the capacity to do that too. They're very capable of that. So, nice. Robert, what's been your – yeah. <laughs> Kate, no one else can see that. Kate's eyeing Robert going, you next, you next. <laughs> Well, for me, I, th I suppose it's the, a shift in the, the children's attitude towards poetry. There was a real reluctancy to to read any poetry, to be involved in it in any way. Um, and, you know, we've got children now who are starting to write poetry at home. They're collecting their own poems oh. um, and they're sharing poetry books with me at school. Um, and... For me, that's just been a huge shift in the attitude of the children. And I think a couple of weeks ago, we read the Jabberwocky um, to the children and just to see their engagement in that particular poem and, and to break it down and understand it, the language of it is so rich and the images that you get from that poem. And the children just absolutely loved it. Um, so that's just that was just a, a mm. real highlight for me uh, this year. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Mine's probably a little bit from the literacy facilitator perspective. Um, I think I've really enjoyed that it wasn't necessarily a reluctancy from the teachers at the start of the year, but there was that little bit of reservation like, you know what people are like, they, they don't like change and they, you know, so I think for me just seeing their growth um, in the way that they're changing their thinking, the way that they're developing their lessons, the way that they're planning as teams, um, the way that they're developing their own literacy capacity, I think, has just like just come in absolute leaps and bounds over the year. And um, whether that's you know, obviously um, having Sharon to support me in that role has been phenomenal. And um, her 
knowledge to pass on but then also to work with the staff and have those side-by-sides I think has been a really big shift forward so um, and getting that immediate feedback in change um, and, and changing their their attitude which obviously positively reflects on the students so I think for me it's probably the, the step back and overseeing all of it um, and seeing the change in the teachers has been really really great. Yeah. Can, I, can I add on to that though, Kate? The thing you've also done really well is made us, still made us accountable though. You know, we have staff meetings where Kate leads us into some quite deep thinking about our own practice um, and going through the teacher reference books in a staff meeting, you know, using them so they're not just sitting on the shelf as something we don't ever actually use. She encourages us to use them. She, um, you know, gets us to really engage with this new program and having the opportunity to staff meeting and having that driven for us has I, th- I think helped guide us as well yeah I think the three books that you've introduced into the into the school um, the consortium and Jennifer Stavros. oh the the literacy continuum the, the literacy continuum and, and Jennifer, Jennifer Cervallo's Cervallo's books writing yeah. strategies yeah. the reading strategy book and the writing strategy yeah. book very yeah. excellent resources that all teachers should have I think they're just it's just all there for you uh, to help you, you know, with, with each lesson of course, um, if need be you know if you've got something to go to if there is something lacking in the class there's uh, some brilliant sort of lessons many lessons in those books to help you. yeah. Yeah, yes, and Jennifer Cerevello's books are very um, mentor text and um, many lesson driven and practical. have some very practical one page. Yeah, yep. one page. So um, you know we're busy, <laughs> we're busy, but to plan to know right there. Okay, how can I work with that mentor text and the prompts? Um, some of the prompts that she lists. Um, Great for roving mm-hmm. too, aren't they, where it um, lets us think, yeah, what am I looking for? What, How can I engage with a student and ask um, this question or find out more about how they're using that? And sometimes the questions are, you know, back to the child. It's about getting the students being able to articulate their own learning and understanding that that's, that's come through heavily today about what you're talking about it's not just that students are doing you know you're not seeing um you know better test results or that it's their engagement pride. their sorry the pride in their, their pride their understanding their articulation the thinking that they're making visible um yeah really it's so energizing to go into any of these classes <laughs> Really energising. Um, actually, just whilst we're, I know I'm sort of cycling back, but the, we we talked a little bit about, um, we did have a few models of um, working this year. Ra, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, we started with some, uh, some like personalised learning, some one-on-one. Kate introduced our units of work and then we've been working on those and, and making them our own. And then we all got um, some time to talk with Sharon. Um, yeah. uh, we were given some release time to meet with Sharon for a whole lesson to talk about anything we felt we were struggling with personally. And then Sharon and Kate came around and observed us. So um, as Robert said, very non-threatening. They came in just to say, right, where are you at? It wasn't a you should be at this point in this journey. It's where are you at and where do you want to go next? Because that's what we'll help you with. 
Um, so we called them side by sides um, coaching, and I they were fantastic for us just to really hone in. These are the things I think are going well. These are the things I. What do I do next, Kate or Sharon? And um, then Kate's been able to address a lot of those in our staff meetings as well. Any of the common ones throughout the staff. Yeah. And then those people who needed a bit more individual would say to Kate, oh, "Can I get a bit, an extra bit with Sharon? An extra bit of time one on one with you, Sharon?" Um, and I think just that opportunity has really um, helped everybody, including our SSOs. We were really lucky that um, Sharon was able to meet with the SSOs. We we have. Um, a lot of SSOs in our school supporting our learners and for them to be on the same page as the classroom teachers in these programs has been key as well. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and and I like that um, just like how classroom libraries have unfolded and the use, you know, the buying of mentor texts has unfolded. I feel like that's how, um, Kate, you in the role as literacy facilitator and working closely with Cassie, it's really wonderful when we can meet together, you know, to that all of these things, um, you know, whichever ways we're working with teachers, have always been responsive, again, to noticings and how to make it work so people feel that they can engage comfortably. And I think the way that it's um, been constructed has really um, honoured teachers' professionalism and the journey of learning that we all need to continue. We're all we're in the business of learning and yep. so our own learning um, is so important and it's just been so engaging. I, I want to say from my point of view too, the learning together that we've been doing has been just as rich for me. We get to practice our practice and but, you know, we get to do it in a way when we're ready but also sometimes with a little push because sometimes you can sit and be comfortable and sometimes you need to be pushed out of that as well. And I definitely think that um, holy trinity of Cassie, Kate and you, Sharon, has um, <laughs> supported us Take all that. in doing that. Yeah, Take that, that. Good one. Yeah. You. <laughs> um, you know, but we know we've got a strong team uh, leading us, so there's a lot of trust in that process. Um, but, yeah, I think we've – the opportunity, as I say, to practice our practice. Yeah. Yeah. We better ourselves as teachers. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I suppose where I was trying to get back to was what were we calling this? Teachers sharing their professional practices <laughs> was the name of the it was today's podcast. And I thought, I've got to get back to, you know, have we, have we really talked about sharing professional practices? <laughs> it's really been um, the opportunity to use a number of, I suppose, in want of a better term, like coaching models to support professional practices and that's been pretty exciting to um, do that planning along the way and I think at any point, Kate, if it wasn't working, we would have absolutely responded to that but I think that's been the power of leadership, literacy facilitator on the ground all the time, noticing, um, knowing what next, what's right and to be able to really build on that and everybody being a really strong part of that process, 
I know in staff meetings you would get that opportunity to talk about what's working, what's not. So those sorts of things can really, I think, um, build good cultures of professional practice learning in schools. Kate, it's been really key too, and I know you won't say this for yourself, so I'll say it for you, is that when we have a staff meeting, she will say, I tried this. Yes. Um, and that yeah. has allowed yeah. people to also try things. Yeah. And she's Because she is um, our facilitator, but she is teaching four days a week as well. Yes. She's trying stuff out and then sharing that with us. And she doesn't always share the successes as well. You've shared some, you know, you said, I tried this, didn't go as well as I thought for whatever reason. And that's allowed people to, know that level of safety I guess. Yeah and to drive the whole notion of being self-reflective because as learners that's that is the key isn't it and when we can reflect and reflect safely Mm. um, on our learning but it is key. I I did want to mention that before that your facilitator role is one day a week it's not a full-time Neither of your roles are full-time roles, but the the power of a facilitator or coach being in classrooms and trying and being able to share that is such um, an um, such a pivotal um, point for yep. the people that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because we're not saying, oh, well, you don't know, you're not in the classroom anymore. Yeah. Yes. She yeah. is in the classroom. Yeah. And she, when she says she's tried it, she has tried it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> I don't know. For me, I think, you know, you go through your time of teaching. For me, it's been a few years now, and you come across some key things that stand out. I think the literacy program really stands out for me as something which is gold. This has really changed me as a teacher, um, and how I, how my literacy teaching is, practice is, is done now. I think the benefits are there; it's evident. Um, and these guys to my right here have done tremendous work um, getting it in place, but. So it is a great, it is an excellent way to, to teach through this literacy program that you guys are putting out to the schools. So. Yes, actually we're probably, the term program we might not use, but we might say framework. Framework. Yep. Um, because it isn't a... Um, Pick up and use program. Yeah. No, no. It, what we're talking about is a professional... Honouring the professional decision-making based on what you're noticing about your students, what you want to bring through those texts. And that doesn't mean on a framework, approach, um, because it is very much around um, a workshop model and that gradual release of responsibility and that time for students to engage in the use of strategies independently. And if that was something that we said, what might be an identifying factor between, and I know you've already mentioned it, Kate, but how what last year might have looked like to now, it's the the amount of time where students get to use choose and use and practice those things for themselves 
and be able to reflect on that for themselves and share with others what they've achieved so that all of that thinking becomes part of the of what we're hearing students talk about in classrooms as well as seeing them doing it. Let's thank Kate and Ra and Robert for absolute generosity in sharing their thinking and insights and the journey of this year through processes of change and really developing professional practices. So thank you to everyone for joining us today. We've loved to see that so many of you have subscribed to our episodes from all corners of the world. The Teacher's Toolkit podcast is all about giving you an insider's guide to top teaching ideas, tools, techniques in literacy, teaching and learning. And we love it all the more when we get teachers sharing those tips, tricks, techniques and insider's guide to that as well. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter via the website. You will receive advance notice on blogs, podcasts, events and ways to connect to us. Thank you so much to our three here today and all the best to you and all the best to our listeners. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.